0: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
1: It is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Alongside Mark Zinno, I'm Michelle Smallman. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We've been doing our ESPN Radio NFL two-a-days. One of the teams we focused on today was the Denver Broncos. So we're going to bring in someone who has boots on the ground. It's Zach By. He's the co-host of Stokely and Zach on 104.3 in Denver. Zach, thanks so much for joining us. And the number one question surrounding the Denver Broncos is Russell Wilson. Will he be able to have a bounce back season? They bring in Sean Payton with hopes that he can resurrect Russell Wilson's career and his offense. And uh, what are you hearing so far about the connectivity between those two how's it going up until this point
2: well I I think the dynamic has shifted from uh, co-ownership of the offense a year ago back to being you know what we've been referring to rookie year Russ you're just going to do what the head coach tells you to do and Sean Payton and he did his first press conference today guys after the uh, training camp practice number one you should have seen the look on his face to say it's all business is a total understatement he just—he is trying to reset a culture here. Um, so, so far, you know what we've heard? Absolutely nothing. Sean Payton has squeezed the local media out of um, the, the traditional setups that we've been used to. So it is all quiet on the Broncos front. And I think that's a good thing considering the hype train that was 2022 and the conductor of that hype train a year ago was actually Russell Wilson, Mr. Let's Ride. You know, last year at this time, Russell Wilson was having spray-painted a fourth Lombardi trophy for the Denver Broncos and saying, more is coming. I mean, he was so bullish on himself, talking about playing another 10, 12 years, winning three more Super Bowls. This year, he's like a church mouse because Sean Payton feels like the new principal uh, that is in town.
3: Zach, to that end, um, I would argue, you know, that uh, I don't like the phrase he has to fix a quarterback, but... Russell Wilson looks like he needs fixing. I mean, he couldn't hit a five-yard out route last year. He looked completely like a quarterback who didn't know how to play the position. Is this just about scheme for Peyton being able to get it back, or does he still have to work on Russ's mechanics and get him back to basics on that level?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter. I think it's basic mechanics. Russ bit off more than he could chew a year ago. And when he started talking about, hey, I want to play 10 to 12 more years, He tried to do it from the pocket. That's not who Russell Wilson was for a decade. Russell Wilson was getting out of the pocket, getting on the move, and finding easy completions that were setting up those over-the-top passes that he was so good at. Sean Payton needs to reduce this thing down, pare this thing down, and find those easy completions. You know, to the setup of your question, everything was hard a year ago. It seemed like the Broncos offense was in quicksand, dead last in scoring, and Russell Wilson was the main main ingredient. Why? And I just think he was just maybe just drinking through a fire hose a year ago, trying to be the offensive coordinator and the quarterback at the same time. It just doesn't work. He's not that guy. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Peyton Manning. And I think that he was humbled to such a degree. It goes back to my answer in the, in the previous, um, uh, previous answers. He's back to just doing what he's told. Sean Peyton, he has both hands at 10-2 and two on this Bronco steering wheel. And Russell, you could almost argue, He's he's in the passenger seat, if not the back seat, here in twenty twenty three.
1: He's the co-host of Stokely and Zach on one oh four point three in Denver. He's Zach By. We're talking about the Broncos here on Canteen Carlin. And and Zach, in your first answer, you talked about Sean Payton coming in and resetting the culture. Outside of what we've already discussed with Russell Wilson, what else needed to be changed culturally within the Denver Broncos?
2: I think discipline. You know, first and foremost, this was a very undisciplined football team, not just from a penalty perspective, which they were. They were, in the first three weeks of the football season, they were the, one of the most penalized teams in NFL history. But it was also disciplined uh, in ways that manifested itself in Jerry Judy taking his helmet off in the middle of the game and chest bumping an official. We had the backup quarterback a year ago, Brett Ripon, challenging offensive linemen to pick Russell Wilson up And it led to a screaming match on the sidelines. We saw a defensive player screaming in the face of Russell Wilson a year ago, right next to Nathaniel Hackett, who acted like he didn't hear it. I'm not exaggerating. Those things actually happened. So to your questions, changing the culture, shifting the personality of this team, the team now, the identity of this football team, you might be hard-pressed to find another team in 2023 That identity of the team is the head coach more than the Broncos will be under Sean Payton because they weren't just undisciplined on the field. They were undisciplined off the field. The culture from a personal standpoint had eroded to such a degree. I mean, you think of the leaders that were on the Super Bowl 50 team in 2015, DeMarcus Ware, Peyton Manning. Those guys were the compass of the team. And when they left, it created a vacuum of leadership that never really got filled. So I think that, you know, uh, uh, to your question, you know, culture on the field, but culture off the field too, and sort of um, readjusting the identity. That I mean, guys, you got you, you have to you have to think about this. Until 2017, the Denver Broncos had made more Super Bowls since 1982 than they had losing seasons. They did not have back-to-back losing seasons over a 20-year period. They were a model of consistency, and it had eroded to such a degree that they needed someone, a voice like Sean Payton, an alpha dog voice that, you know, there is n- nothing to be questioned. They needed something like this. And Sean Payton has operated with a heavy hand so far in just his disposition and personality. But I actually think it's exactly what this football team needed.
3: All right, when you talk about identity and I think of Sean Payton, I think about the offense. But the identity of this team on the football field is still the defense because they're the better unit. So what is a realistic expectation for this offense this year? Because, look, I mean, they don't really have to be more than three or four points better to win a whole lot of football games.
2: Yeah, well, I I think, first of all, it's a good question. And and you're showing your awareness of the Broncos. The defense had kept them in game um, for actually a couple years now. But I don't just want to assume that the defense is going to stay a strength. This is a defense that was under Egero uh, Evero a year ago who has moved on before that was Vic D'Angio. so pretty good. And from a personnel standpoint, they've changed as well. So I actually think you might see the defense take a baby step back while the offense takes two big steps forward, and you're hoping that in an offensive league under Sean Payton, who was just a mastermind for a decade and a half of, in New Orleans, um, and he'd even got the best out of guys like Teddy Bridgewater and James Winston. You hope that with Javante Williams, the running back, coming back from uh, ACL injury, plus, how about this? Do you guys realize that Denver Broncos have the highest paid wide receiver room in the entire National Football League? With Cortland Sutton, <laughs> Jerry Judy, uh, 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 Tim Patrick, they're the number one paid group. $44 million owed to that group in 2023, and they have one combined 1,000-yard one combined season. And that was Cortland Sutton back in 2019.
3: That feels pretty egregious and mismanagement-like of, yeah. of, of
2: the salary cap, i got to yes. say. Yes, and this is why, and you're bringing up another point on the spot, this is why I think George Payton is, unless the Broncos are back in the playoffs and unless Russell Wilson plays A-plus football, general manager George Payton, who was a darling in this town just a, a year ago, he could be on his way out the door because he made the biggest, one of the biggest trades in, in NFL history, then handed out the third biggest contract in NFL history, And then turns out Russell Wilson through less touchdown passes than Andy Dalton. So my question to you is, and my question for the season is, can all this potential at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, dare I say even Russell Wilson, even with a sample size of over a decade, can they tap into this potential offensively under Sean Payton? Um, There's nowhere to go but up, guys, when you're the 32nd-ranked offense in a league of 32.
1: So, Zach, you have boots on the ground in Denver. Locally, what are the expectations for this team? Is it to get to the playoffs? Is it just to have Russell Wilson look like a semblance of himself from years prior? When you talk about this on your show, what's success look like for the Denver Broncos?
2: You know what? I think it's a winning season. I think it's a winning season. I think this, this the, the conversation of playoffs and maybe winning a game... This is an organization that outside of the New York Jets, and and this is, by the way, on the heels of what I just told you, they didn't have back-to-back losing seasons since 1982 until 2017. Um, As that said, outside of the New York Jets, the Denver Broncos have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Uh, The the last time they were in the playoffs, they were beating Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 50. They haven't been back. Um, That being said, I think the expectation after – uh, this many seasons of losing frigate playoffs losing season uh, since 2017 they haven't had a winning season I just think the expectation in Denver has been uh, managed over the years because we've got excited in years past fans have got excited but it's gotten to such a degree after last year where it's Super Bowl Super Bowl how many Super Bowls are Russ going to win and is are they now equal with the Chiefs and all those expectations this whole Broncos country, as they call themselves, have been humbled to such a degree. I think it's for this year about winning more games than you lose because of the expectations that have not been met for over a half decade now.
3: Zach By, 104.3 in Denver here on ESPN Radio on Kenny and Carlin. All right, you just talked about are they equal to the Chiefs? Because Michelle and I were talking about this before. I said if I was Sean Payton, I would have walked into my first meeting with a schedule up on the board of the year, and I would have circled two games. Kansas City and Denver, and at Arrowhead. And I would have told him, I don't care if we only win two games all year long. It better be those two. If we go 2-15, and 15, you better be those guys because the fact of the matter is is that no matter how much better Denver gets, you're still playing for second. And as long as you're still playing for second, your road to the, back to the Super Bowl is going to be incredibly tough. So how important is it for this team to learn how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know what I'd say to that? First, you've got to learn how to beat the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> They've got swept by the Guys, guys.
1: Great answer. Okay.
2: Good, good guys, point. Guys, the Denver Broncos haven't beat the Raiders in years. They've gotten swept by the Raiders for three seasons in a row. Think about that. That's their rival, and the Raiders haven't been good. The Raiders have been below average and mismanaged and still found a way to beat Denver. Worrying about the Kansas City Chiefs right now, it'd be like having a house that has a leaking roof and a foundation that wasn't poured the right way, but you're trying to get your lawn as good as the neighbor down the street. No, 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 no. You need to focus on core, Prince, Bill's football team the right way before you you can start worrying about Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos are living in the Chiefs era, much like the Chiefs were living in the John Elway era and the Peyton Manning era in Denver. You are in their shadow. And until you, you're, you're even competitive with them or flirt with a win, um, this, is, this is a team that has – I think it's a – patience. Now, I think we upsets all the time. I do think the Broncos will have a chance to, to upset them this year. But that is worried about the wrong thing at the wrong time when you're a five-win football team and just sent the fifth overall pick to Seattle
1: great information from Zach by he's the co-host of Stokely and Zach on 104.3 in Denver be sure to follow him on social media at buys line Zach amazing stuff thanks so much for the time
2: hey you guys are awesome for having me on and uh Denver Broncos do uh, in a very 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 important season uh with new ownership new coach we'll see you.
1: absolutely no doubt well from one team with a lot of expectations with their quarterback in Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos to another, and Aaron Rodgers in the New York Jets. So we've been kind of speculating about this for some time, Mark Zeno and I'm Michelle Smallman. Aaron Rodgers has reworked his contract with the New York Jets. They came to an agreement today. He didn't really give a ton of details, uh, but we know that the agreement has happened. It's going to become official later today. And, uh, oh, here we do have the deals, uh, the details. Excuse me. He signs a new two-year 75 million dollar guaranteed contract through the 2024 season he voluntarily took a 35 million dollar pay cut on his two-year deals with the Jets he had nearly 110 million dollars guaranteed remaining on his old deal in Green Bay and this to me points to the fact that when he said that he wants to play more than one season Mark Zeno he meant it
3: yeah and I also think that he is somebody who is saying look you know I need one more Super Bowl to cement my legacy. Uh, and if I can do that, you know, then th- there won't be any doubts about where I am in the in the annals of, of best quarterbacks in NFL history. Um, but I'm going to need help to do it because he understands from last year in Green Bay, if you don't have all the pieces around you, guess what? It's going to be difficult to do that. And so he wants to provide the organization with as much flexibility as they need to make a move at the trade deadline, or pick somebody up for here and there, or somebody who gets cut or waived at the end of preseason that can make an impact on their team, he wants to give them the flexibility to do it. It's nice. It's generous. I certainly, you know, it doesn't guarantee anything, but and and Aaron Rodgers probably is going to make up that thirty-five million dollars somewhere else along the way, probably with the New York media and, and the marketing deals that are available there. So slap his face at somewhere in Times Square and he'll make thirty-five million in a heartbeat. So I don't. Th- too worried about it. And, oh, by the way, never mind cementing his legacy. If he actually does win a Super Bowl with the Jets, um, they'll name a street after him in Manhattan,
1: I guarantee you. They'll name a building after him somewhere. I mean, they they might
3: yeah. Name the Empire they'll they'll State give him part of the island itself.
1: Yeah. A yeah. borough will be named after him, no doubt. Well, there had been a lot of speculation because Aaron Rodgers had to go into the darkness to determine whether he even wanted to play this season, if he would play after this season. Here's the Jets quarterback on whether or not he would be one and done.
0: Definitely some of it is uh, how much fun I'm, in, I'm having. It's all about the body, how the body feels. The team gave up uh, significant uh, pieces just to be a one-year deal Um, i'm aware of that i think there was uh, you know an awareness of that Uh, now again anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year but i'm having a blast so i don't really see this as a one year and done thing
1: and I think what we saw today with the contract reflects that, Mark. But he he did put some caveats in there, right? He's saying the, all the right things, but it's depends on what happens with success this year and how the body feels. Both of those things very much up in the air.
3: Oh, I mean, look, if he wins a Super Bowl, you know he's out. He's yeah, talking.
1: wouldn't you be? I'd uh, right, I would right off into the sunset too. He,
3: of course, go right on top. He doesn't goes go get the ayahuasca. What, should, what, what is he taking? Yeah, know, ayahuasca. Whatever, whatever he he's, he's on the that psychedelics whole, panel. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, knock yourself he'll, he'll He'll be higher than a kite. He's, he'll, he'll start to see Manhattan buildings bubble up all over the place. Good, good for you, Aaron. You, know, you do you. I'm not mad at you at all.
1: Is he the only person that you could think of in the NFL that might celebrate a Super Bowl win by going on a 12-day cleanse or doing a darkness retreat or something like that? You know, Tom Brady's drinking tequila and, and tossing the Lombardi. I wonder what Aaron Rodgers would do to celebrate.
3: I think Ricky Williams might have been the only other guy Who uh, went into seclusion. Granted, it was a puff cloud of seclusion, but, you know, I mean, Ricky felt like that kind of guy.
1: (laughs) Well, we heard Aaron Rodgers right there uh, reiterate how much fun he's having. Peyton Manning, Hall of Fame quarterback, was on NFL Live and talked about what he's seeing out of Aaron Rodgers in New York.
4: I saw Aaron in May uh, at the Kentucky Derby, and I could tell how excited he was about this new chapter. Obviously with Tom recently doing it, uh, it's a a second chapter for him. And uh, he's already uh, got great rapport with his teammates. You can tell how excited the coaching staff is. I think he's going to play really well, especially the fact that his former coach, Hackett, is there calling the plays. That's going to make Aaron feel comfortable. If he's comfortable, the guys around him will play fast. I think the Jets are going to have a good year.
1: All, all the signs point that way, Mark. I mean, I know that until we see it in action, there will be questions, but they've got a strong defense. He does have his offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. He's having fun. He's rejuvenated. You're seeing the highlights between he and Garrett Wilson all over social media and training camp. It does seem like he is really primed to, to be what we've, what we've known out of Aaron Rodgers. And if so, that's going to equal for a lot of success for the Jets.
3: Michelle, does anybody do the offseason better than the New York Jets as far as headlines and noise and attraction and everything else? I mean, I'm not going to get excited about any of this stuff. Talk to me in week one <laughs> and go beat the Buffalo Bills, and then we can have a conversation. Until you do that, all this stuff is fine and good, and it plays well, and it gives us something to talk about it. But in reality, from a football standpoint, I'm not going to make any proclamations about the New York Jets until I see Aaron Rodgers play a game for them that counts.
1: Either way, it's going to be a very entertaining season. I can promise you that. He's Mark Zeno.
3: You are correct about (laughs) that. You know
1: what I mean? We're going to have fun watching it either way. No matter which road this goes down, we're going to have fun watching it. He's Mark Zeno. I'm Michelle Smallman. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And coming up next, we're less than a week away from the MLB trade deadline. The the Angels should trade Shohei Otani to the blank. We're going to fill in the blank next here on Canty and Carlin
4: not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com motors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
5: now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play
0: Carlin, the podcast. A week ago, if you'd asked me, I thought he'd be on the move. And I think if they're above 500
3: as they are now, I just don't think they'll have the inclination to, to trade him.
6: Their owner, Artie Moreno, who is not always reliable to his word, said they're not going to trade him if they're in contention. And they are pretty much in contention. You know, they're kind of right out of a wild card spot.
3: And if they don't make the playoffs and they don't trade him and lose him just for a free agent, how are you going to justify that?
1: It's July 26th, Mark Zeno. We're inching closer and closer to that August 1st trade deadline. Can't wait to see what happens. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And it's time to do a little fill in the blank. Now, this is a special fill in the blank. It's the 2023 MLB Trade Deadline Edition. And our host of this fine segment is Eric. Eric, what do you got for us?
6: All right, yes, let's um, cue up some baseball music while we're at it, too. How about that?
1: Oh, let's do that. There we go. Uh,
6: there it is. Set
1: the tone. Let's go.
6: Yeah, that gets me all excited for this segment. All right, Los Angeles Angels, obviously heard in the rejoin there. We've been talking about it for weeks on end, I feel like now, about what the Angels should do with Shohei Ohtani. We're getting close to the deadline here. So, Michelle, I'll start with you. Okay. The Los Angeles Angels should trade Shohei Ohtani to the blank.
1: (sighs) This is a tough one. Because there's a lot of different options here. But I'm going to come up with a temporary solution with maybe a stopgap that works for both sides. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're a really good team. They're two games Behind the Orioles and the AL East, they could certainly use Shohei Otani. And more importantly, they have the prospects to get it done. They have the arsenal that would be attractive to the Angels in order to acquire Shohei Otani. We talk about teams like the Yankees, and uh, the Yankees don't don't have the prospects that would be attractive to entice the Angels. So I think while he might not want to sign their their long term, if they really want to go out and win a World Series, they have the pieces in place to really make a big gamble here and go out and get Shohei Otani.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, Shohei Otani should only be traded as a rental. Anybody who's getting him long-term of the five teams that can afford him, there's no reason for them to give him away to, to pay him that money. Like I, I just don't see it. But a team like you mentioned, the Rays, the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, a team that is in contention right now that, guess what, even if I trade away prospects, I'm still going to be good next year because of what I have on the field right now. The D-backs with Zach Allen and Shohei Otani, not only would they compete for the NL West, but you could argue they would compete with the Braves for the National League.
6: All right, let's go to the next one here. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're, they're up 11-4 right now on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Currently in Arizona, but they are 12 games under 500. So the St. Louis Cardinals should trade blank to the New York Yankees. Mark, go ahead.
3: Oh God! um
1: So specific to the New York Yankees.
6: Yeah, to the New York. Well, there's Yankees. one correct answer here. So,
3: uh, I mean,
1: Jack Flaherty,
3: Nolan Arenado.
1: <laughs> That's not the right. Uh, answer. That's not the right answer unless you're a Yankees fan. Unless you're a Yankees fan, that's not the right answer.
3: Yeah, that's you know that was that was pretty much it. If you're a Yankees fan, so Uh, I I mean another starter. I mean I don't know what what, the Yankees are so far gone. They have so many issues to address. I'm not really sure what it is, but they definitely need more hitting. So I would say Nolan Arenado.
1: No, it's not going to be Nolan Arenado. I know there's this is this is one of those times where all the rumors are really starting to pick up pace. You're hearing Nolan Arenado's name out there. You're hearing Paul Goldschmidt's name out there. The Cardinals aren't going to move either of those guys. I, the number one thing that surprised me Covering the Cardinals, Mark and Eric, was when Albert Poolholz chose to leave and go to the Angels. I was floored. I thought there's no way he would ever leave. He was the heir apparent to Stan Musial. If they move Nolan Arenado and or Paul Goldschmidt at the trade deadline this year, yes, I know it's a disappointing season. Yes, I know that maybe they're looking to reboot and they, they've acknowledged that they're going to be sellers. It would be tied for first, as Tony LaRusso liked to say, on my shock meter. Because this is not what the Cardinals do. They love having Hall of Fame players on the field. They love having stars where they can entice their over 3 million fans that come through the turnstiles every year. If you move Nolan Arenado and you move Paul Goldschmidt, you're waving the white flag. You're saying we are giving up not only on this year, but for many years to come. And the Cardinals are not going to do that because the fans will not tolerate it. Will they move Jack Flaherty? Probably. Will they move Jordan Montgomery? Probably. Maybe even a Dylan Carlson, which I think is interesting. But I do not see Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt going anywhere. And if I'm wrong, it will be one of the big shots, shocks of my life.
6: Well, I hope you're shocked uh, next <laughs> Tuesday when Nolan Arenado is <laughs> playing third base for the New York Yankees. But that's just a pipe That would actually me. make me smile. Really? Yeah, right? right? Smile. Why? Right?
1: Because I would be yeah. miserable? Is that why you guys want to celebrate my misery?
6: And the Yankees just kind of need it. I mean, Josh Donaldson's yeah. playing some third base. I mean, they just they need a third baseman, and, and no one seems to be available on a team that's about to be 11 games under 500. So. All right, let's move on to the next one, the other team in New York, the New York Mets. They have a couple aces on their staff, but I'll go to Max Scherzer here. Um, we'll, we'll start with Michelle here. The New York Mets should trade Max Scherzer to the blank. Hmm,
1: I would love to see him go to the Cardinals to circle back. He's got... Um I believe, in no trade clause, and he can determine where he wants to go. And not that the Cardinals are in contention, but he is a St. Louis guy, and they desperately need pitching. And they're going to be releasing some pitching here at the deadline. So it could be a nice little homecoming for him and an acquisition there. But I don't likely see that happening. I know one of the names that gets thrown out there is the Orioles. And, um... Or not the Orioles, excuse me, the the Diamondbacks. I would love to see him go to a team that is potentially in contention. The Diamondbacks are certainly one of them. So um, if he's going to get moved, I would love to see him go to Arizona.
3: So you had the right answer, and then you moved off of it. And I did the same thing with Otani. Like, you trade Otani to the National League, and you trade Scherzer to the American League, and the Baltimore Orioles are absolutely the place where he should land. Look, if the Baltimore Orioles do absolutely nothing at this trade deadline to address their starting pitching, it is derelict by their organization to do nothing. You are in win-now mode. This is a team that is—it's not really—shouldn't be surprising anybody because they were this good last year, but— They are surprising everybody, and they have a chance to win the AL East and secure, possibly, home field advantage throughout the AL playoffs. Why are you not doing everything possible to get there? They need to trade for a frontline starter with playoff experience. Max Scherzer fits all those bills. Do the Orioles want to pay Max Scherzer's salary? No. Could they just theoretically get him as a rental and then try to trade him in the offseason? Sure they could, but... They absolutely should make a move for a frontline starter. Max Scherzer is a guy that would put them over the top.
6: Next one here. Cody Bellinger already saw one change of scenery to try to get back that MVP form. He's hitting over 300 and could be moved before this deadline. I think it's likely that he is by the Chicago Cubs. So, Mark, I'll start with you. The Chicago Cubs should trade Cody Bellinger to the blank.
3: Atlanta Braves are in oh. desperate need of a left fielder, uh, they have nobody there. They're locked and loaded. They clearly have prospects and, and, uh, you know, players right now and young pitchers that they can get rid of. Nobody in Atlanta, and I live here, should give a rip about what's in their farm system. You need to win another World Series now. Absolutely right now. Like, this team is better than the one that won the World Series. This team is better than the one that last year was in the playoffs. Cody Bellinger solidifies their lineup even more than it already is. It gives him a steady left field presence every single day. There's not any pressure on him to have to hit, so it's not like he's trying to carry an offense like he is in Chicago, and it just gives Braves one more piece that they need to get over the top.
1: I can't believe that when we were talking about the Yankees acquiring people, Eric, that you weren't all in on the Cody Bellinger train, because that's what the Yankees should do, is they should go out and get... Cody Bellinger he's having an unbelievable stretch here since June 27th he's been absolutely on fire he's batting 314 14 home runs he has a 903 OPS they need some firepower and Cody Bellinger could be it
6: and I like it with uh the right field porch lefty lefty bat there there you go I'm with you Michelle I like that one as well that's a good consolation if we don't get Nolan Arenado and I said we but the Yankees I meant
1: I was going to say, we, oui? I already have <laughs> Nolan Arenado as a Cardinals fan, okay? Oui. Don't, we, oui. don't try to take what I, what I have and what I love. I don't appreciate that, Eric. Thank you, though, Eric. That was fun. MLB trade deadline, fill in the blank. He's Mark Zeno. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canteen Carlin, Mark has his play of the night. Plus, Travis Kelsey said he tried to give Taylor Swift his phone number before a concert. What happened? We're going to tell you about that next here on ESPN Radio.
5: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Time to earn some cash.
5: The taste of money. The smell of wealth.
0: Canty and Carlin's best play of the night.
5: The taste of money.
1: I'm Michelle Smallman. He is Mark Zeno, and it's time for Mark to give us the play of the night.
3: Gonna go to the subway series here, Michelle. As the Yankees and Mets finish up their quick two-game series in the Bronx. Carlos Rodon goes to the Yankees. I'm actually gonna back the Yankees here on the money line. I think Rodon, who has has had one home start already is probably going to be better than he was in his last two road starts. Home crowd should amp him up a little bit. Match a starting Jose Quintana. Who exactly? Yankees <laughs> bats should wake up. Believe it or not, I think the over comes in. I think more runs are scored in this game than not. But we're going to back the Yankees here uh, on the money line to get a win at home uh, and salvage a split here in the two-game series.
1: All right. I love it. Making people some money here on Cantan Carlin. Well, now let's go to three and out.
0: Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out.
1: I always want to sing the rest of this song. Mark Zeno, it's hard, but it's a very good open. Very well done. All right, our first topic here in Three and Out. Very interesting. So in early July, Travis Kelsey attended Taylor Swift's show at Arrowhead. The Aris tour. It's pumping billions of dollars into the economy. Haven't you heard? That's not what Travis Kelsey was thinking about. A lot of people there to see Taylor. Enjoy the music. Travis Kelsey, he had other intentions. He talked about it on the New Heights podcast with his brother, Jason Kelsey.
4: Speaking of Taylor Swift, I know you went to the Taylor Swift concert. How was it? Yeah, well, I was disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. So I was a little butthurt I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. You made her a bracelet? Yeah. If you're up on uh, Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets, and I received a bunch of them being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Not right now. Your number is in 87 or your phone number? You know which one. <laughs> She doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me. So I took it personal. She probably just hasn't gotten over the Stroop Bowl yet. She's a big Eagles fan. Maybe she just made something up and just didn't want to talk to you. Damn it.
1: So what do you think, Mark? Smooth move? Trying to give his number to Taylor Swift via friendship bracelet?
3: Definitely a smooth move. But here's the thing. If you do it on a friendship bracelet, you might put yourself in a friend zone, and that's not where you want to be. If you don't, you don't ever want to be stuck in the friend zone, like, you got to change the friendship bracelet to a uh, giggity, giggity, giggity bracelet if there is one of those, and, oh, wow. and that's what you give it to, on.
1: What does that bracelet look like?
3: Uh, ask Quagmire. I don't know. <laughs> a little family guy reference there. For See,
1: you. I think this is super cute. I'm kind of bummed out he didn't get the opportunity yeah. to give Why her Why do recognize bracelet? game there?
3: Like, celebrities snubbing other celebrities feels kind of weird, doesn't it?
1: Okay, but... Even though Travis Kelsey is one of the biggest names in the NFL, is he on the level of a Taylor Swift? That I don't know. She's the, she is one of the biggest superstars in the entire world. Travis Kelsey, super famous in America. But is he worldwide like Taylor Swift? That I don't know. But I appreciate his hustle. Uh, tra- I appreciate the swag. I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that he was creative in a way to deploy the number to her. I think him talking about this, and now we're talking about this, this is going to get some traction she's single now mark she's back out on the market so maybe it'll happen for these two crazy kids
3: well all travis kelsey has to do right now with this rejection is shake it off
1: oh i I hope there's no bad blood between the two anyway ah here we go we got it that was so terrible please (laughs) forgive me all right speaking of bad blood speaking of uh things that aren't going according to plan you have beef with the solar eclipse? Phyllis? in. What's going on here?
3: No. I got beef with my kids' school system, and, and, and the county that my kids go to school, I just got an email from them. It's July 26th, and the email reads, on Monday, April 8th, as in Monday, April 8th, 2024, nine months from now, a total solar eclipse will cross North America. Based on concerns over student safety, April 8th will be an early release day for students across all levels. So let me see if I understand this correctly. The kids are getting out of school early because it's getting dark? Like, it's got to be a joke. The school has lights. The street has lights. My car has lights. My phone has a light. (laughs) It gets dark every day when the sun goes down, and somehow we as North America have managed to survive, and yet my kid's school district wants to let them out of school early. We are the dumbest country on the planet.
1: Have they confirmed that's why, that it's because it's getting dark? That's the reason why? These kids are going home?
3: Isn't that the point of an eclipse? Like, it, uh, Listen, I've listened to Dark Side of the Moon. I understand it, right? <laughs> uh, it's an eclipse. The sun gets blocked out, and then guess what? 20 minutes later, the sun's back out again. It's not even like dark permanently. So <laughs> it's, you're going to get eclipsed, and then it's going to get light again, and then it's going to get dark again. Uh, we're giving kids off school early for this? Like, I remember when I had eclipses in school, we stopped school to watch the eclipse. Totally. Because it was something we could learn about. Now we're yanking them out of school to go home and play video games.
1: Yeah, it seems like it would be a fun day at school, actually, because you have something to look forward to. There's anticipation. Uh-oh. It's a learning opportunity. Maybe you have a little eclipse party. There's some, you know, some snacks that have eclipse themes on them. I don't know. It feels like Chance it'd be a good to day to learn go to about school. eclipses. Yeah, no the doubt, eclipse
3: eye, whatever the plural is. I don't know, but eclipses.
1: I don't know. Okay, well, I'm sorry that that's happening cuz that means that you have to bail on work early to go pick up your kids from school cuz it's dark outside. Yeah. So make sure you have the headlights on. Thanks, school. <laughs> okay, and finally, <laughs> we always love to see what day it is, what national day it is. So we're going to bring in our producer Shannon Penn for this one. Shannon, what day is it today? It is National Coffee Milkshake Day, which so n- is wait. very very specific, National Coffee Milkshake Day. But the question I have for the two of you, Okay, okay. Are you in or out on cold uh, coffee. Mark, you ice first. coffee. Where, you, where do you stand?
3: I've never actually had an iced coffee. Oh, I've never tried it.
1: You're not living. So,
3: I, I I mean, let me rephrase. I, You know, like when the coffee in my mug that was hot then gets cold and I drink it, I'm like, oh, this isn't hot. Oh, it's terrible. So, I've never no. really had the guts to actually fill a cup with ice and put coffee in it.
1: Totally different. I am. So pro iced coffee. Few things hit in the morning the way an iced latte does. Mark, you have some homework to do. If you're not drinking iced coffee, you're not living. You need to get on this because I think you're about to change your life. I think you're about to adopt something amazing into your world, and that's iced coffee. Mark Zeno, always fun working with you. Thank you so much.
3: You're the best, Michelle. Thank you.
1: Thank you to Shannon and Eric behind the scenes. You've been listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. But keep it right here because Joe and Amber is next.
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.